Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Alan Fine. I'm the uh, podcast editor of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. And today we're going to be discussing a topic that I, I feel is becoming much, much more to the forefront of uh, medical and uh, lay concerns, and that is of the medical effects of marijuana, both good and uh, perhaps bad. And uh, we're going to be talking to Dr. Donald Tashkin, who's Emeritus Professor of Medicine uh, in the Pulmonary and Critical Care Division at the University of California, Los Angeles, a very long and preeminent expert in airway disease, and he is going to be discussing his editorial appearing in this month's annals, as well as the article by Kempker et al. on the effects of marijuana exposure on expiratory airflow, a study of adults who participated in the U.S. National Health and Nutrition Examination Study. So I think that uh, the first question that I have, and which is still somewhat confusing to me, is uh, how should we understand what marijuana is? Does it matter uh, if it is smoked, inhaled, ingested, where it comes from? Uh, Don, what, what can you tell us about marijuana? Okay, Ellen, first of all, I'm happy to, uh, to do this podcast. Marijuana comprises the dried leaves and flowering mm. tops of the ubiquitous hemp plant, cannabis sativa, and is most commonly smoked in the form of a joint or hand-rolled cigarette. It varies in size from about 250 to 1,000 milligrams. Remember that a uh, conventional tobacco cigarette has about 1,000 milligrams of tobacco. Joints do not utilize a filter and are more loosely packed than commercially prepared tobacco cigarettes. They're typically smoked with larger puff and inhaled volumes and about four to five times longer breath-holding times compared to tobacco cigarettes of the same weight, and that results in about four times greater deposition of tar from smoked marijuana in the lung compared to tobacco. Now, the content of delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, which is a major psychoactive component of marijuana smoke, varies widely between plants and has, on average, increased substantially over the past several decades. Marijuana may also be smoked using a bong or water pipe. Now, the smoke from the, the burning marijuana in a, in, in a bong bubbles through the water where it's cool, but the particulate ingredients of the tar are water-insoluble and therefore are not removed uh, by the water. Uh, marijuana can also be ingested with food or could be brewed as a tea and swallowed, but the most common mode of use is by inhalation of the smoke. So when I, you know, I kind of went into this with a lot of misconceptions, and I, how, what, what can you tell us about uh, how uh, marijuana is similar or different from tobacco and how it might affect the lung? Yes, that's a very good question. So the contents of standardized quantities of marijuana and tobacco smoke have been compared by three different investigators. The volatile, that is gas phase, and particulate phase components of the smoke from each 
that is from tobacco and from marijuana are qualitatively similar, the major exceptions being that tobacco contains nicotine not found in marijuana, and marijuana contains dozens of cannabinoid compounds in addition to THC not found in tobacco. The gas phase constituent from both substances include carbon monoxide, ammonia, hydrocyanic acid, isoprene, acetaldehyde, formaldehyde, acrylamine, etc. While and these are found in both substances, the volatile phase from both tobacco and marijuana. While the particulate phase contains phenols and a number of polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, including benzpyrene, which is uh, probably the most uh, important human carcinogen. So uh, all of those ingredients that I mentioned are potentially toxic to yeah, the lungs. They, they don't, Some they don't are sound very good. Yeah. Carcinogenic. And the similarity in the smoke contents of the two substances has obviously raised concerns that habitual smoking of marijuana might lead to the same harmful effects on the lung have been very well documented for tobacco, principally COPD and lung cancer, as well as possibly an increased risk for pneumonia. Now, Dr. Kempker's paper, what can you tell us uh, about this paper? Do you think it adds anything to our knowledge uh, about the pulmonary effects of marijuana, and uh, how so? Yes, I, I, I do believe that it does have added value. A limited number of studies have been conducted as prior to the Kemper paper to examine the association between marijuana smoking and the presence of symptoms and any abnormality in lung function. Nearly all of these studies have shown a significant association of marijuana use with symptoms of chronic bronchitis, that is chronic cough and sputum, often with wheezing. But the findings with regard to an abnormality in spirometry have been somewhat mixed, most showing no association with the reduced force expired volume in one second, which I refer to now as FEV1 or force volume capacity, that's FVC, but a couple showing an association with a decrease in the ratio of FEV1 to FVC that's considered the most sensitive and specific measure of airflow obstruction as seen in COPD. Most of the participants in these older studies were fairly young, that is, under the age of 45, and therefore less likely to be diagnosed with COPD, which generally becomes apparent in after age uh, 40 years or so. Also, only a small minority of the uh, subjects in the older studies reported smoking marijuana, and if they did, they were generally lighter smokers and less likely to exhibit any respiratory abnormality if indeed there were an association with marijuana. Therefore, additional studies, such as a study published by Kemper and colleagues, fill an important need by examining a large population of over 6,000 adults, 18 to 59 years of age, who participated in one of two nationwide U.S. surveys that you refer to, the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, or NHANES, between 2007 and 2010. Now, importantly, these participants were representative of the adult population of the U.S., and over a third were in the COPD age range, that's over 40 years of, of age. And over 850 were self-reported marijuana smokers with an average of nearly 16 joint years cumulative lifetime history of marijuana use. Remember, a joint year is one joint a day smoked for one year. So 16 joint years would be 16 joints a day for one year or more likely, say, say two joints for eight years or what have you. You could do, you could do the math. 
so a reasonable number of these participants in the chemical study were moderate to heavy users. And using standard statistical techniques, logistic regression that control for important confounding variables such as age, gender, socioeconomic status, and concomitant tobacco use, most importantly the concomitant tobacco use, the authors failed to find any association between light to moderate use of marijuana, that's up to 20 joint years, and evidence of airflow obstruction as defined by an abnormal FEV1 FVC ratio, that is a ratio less than 70%, uh, which is defined by the gold guidelines, the most widely uh, cited evidence-based guidelines for the diagnosis and management of COPD as indicative of or consistent with COPD. On the other hand, they did see a statistically significant association with a reduced FEV1 FVC ratio in the heavier smokers of marijuana that has smokers of more than 20 joint years. At the same time, though, this becomes a little complicated. Heavy marijuana use in this subpopulation of heavier users was also associated with a trend toward an increase, not a decrease, in the 4-6 bar volume in one second, the FEV1, which itself is a measure of airflow, and an even greater and statistically significant increase in the vital capacity thus accounting for the reduced ratio because you have an increase in the denominator in relation to the numerator, which would spuriously reduce the ratio. So these increases in FEC have actually been reported previously by two other groups of investigators and have been appropriately interpreted as contributing to a spurious decrease in the FE1-FEC ratio that's therefore not likely to represent airflow obstruction as seen in COPD. So you might wonder, why do we see this increase in FVC in regular marijuana smokers? Well, it could be due to stretching of the lung by the deep inhalation technique that's commonly used during smoking of marijuana. You actually inhale maybe one and a half times as much uh, air than you do smoking tobacco, contrast to the shallower breaths that are more typical tobacco smoking. So analogous increases in, in FVC have been seen in competitive swimmers also take repeated deep breaths during swimming. So in summary, the findings of Kempker and associates add to the limited literature on the effects of marijuana on lung function and support the view that marijuana does not appear to be a significant risk factor for the development of COPD in the absence of tobacco smoking. One issue that comes to mind is this issue of are we looking at patients who are uh, smoking marijuana much less than the equivalent tobacco smoker would be doing? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question, and I think that's frequently, frequently asked. Is, this, is the failure to show uh, any relationship to evidence of airflow obstruction simply due to the fact that marijuana smokers smoke less marijuana on average than tobacco smokers smoke tobacco? It's a very good question. But remember that uh, because of the way that marijuana is smoked, about four times as much of the particulates in the smoke that contain the carcinogens and other respiratory irritants is delivered to the lower respiratory tract from smoking a single marijuana cigarette compared to a single cigarette. So that you're really augmenting, magnifying the uh, exposure of the lung to the toxic components within the smoke when you smoke marijuana, it's about maybe four times as much delivery of these potentially toxic substances to the lung from marijuana than tobacco. So in, in essence, it means that, that maybe one marijuana cigarette might represent maybe four or five uh, tobacco cigarettes. So if you smoke three or four joints a day, it's like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. So uh, I, I'm not 
assuming you know the answer, but but why might uh, marijuana be uh, less likely to cause uh, airflow obstruction? That is an excellent question. And, it, of course, it leads to some speculation. Of course, one you already mentioned, maybe that the average marijuana smokers smoke less marijuana than tobacco smokers smoke tobacco. But aside from that, THC is a potent immunosuppressive substance. This has been documented uh, many times. So it inactivates alveolar macrophages. It impairs the function of alveolar macrophages, which are the most important immune effector cell residing in the, in the lung. And activation of alveolar macrophages with the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines and chemokines is a uh, central process that's um, necessary for the evolution of uh, COPD. So the macrophages release these chemokines that attract uh, other inflammatory cells of the lung, including neutrophils, that release tissue-damaging enzymes, such as elastases, that produce parenchymal destruction, upregulate mucus secreting cells in the airway, etc. But we don't see that. Uh, THC inhibits that process. So I think that that may be uh, a reason or the reason why marijuana smokers may be protected, if you will, against the development of COPD. Yeah, this is, uh, this is uh, very fascinating and counterintuitive. I'd also like uh, to ask you about uh, the risks which we touched on for lung cancer with all the uh, toxic uh, substances uh, in marijuana smoke, uh, which kind of in many cases mirror and are similar to what is seen in tobacco smoke. Well, as I already mentioned, marijuana smoke contains many of the same carcinogenic agents found in tobacco smoke, including the pro-carcinogenic polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, and also, we've shown that habitual marijuana smokers have the same widespread histopathologic alterations in their larger airways that are found in tobacco smokers, including squamous metaplasia, cellular atypia, that are known to be precursors of lung cancer. In addition, the bronchoepithelium of marijuana smokers overexpresses some molecular markers of pre-tumor progression, such as KI67, a nuclear proliferation factor, and an epidermal growth factor receptor, uh, compared not only to non-smokers, but also tobacco-only smokers. So it's a reasonable hypothesis that marijuana should be or might be a risk factor for the subsequent development of lung cancer. On the other hand, several large, uh, well, there's one large longitudinal cohort study and several well-conducted case control studies have failed to find a significant association between cumulative lifetime use of marijuana and the occurrence of either lung cancer or even head and neck cancer without any suggestion whatsoever of a dose-response relationship. In contrast, marijuana has been shown to have a highly significant dose-response relationship with both lung and head and neck cancer. Maybe if you smoke more than two cigarettes a day, it's a 21-fold increase in the risk for uh, lung cancer, we see no increase, in fact, a slight decrease in the risk with marijuana smokers. So you might ask, well, why? Well, again, it's a little bit ironic, but THC uh, not only is an immunosuppressant, it also uh, has anti-tumoral activity. It inhibits protein synthesis, it's anti-mitogenic, anti-proliferative, it's uh, pro-apoptotic, so it facilitates programmed cell death so that cells die off before they age sufficiently to develop mutations that might lead to lung cancer. It's anti-angiogenic, so there's a sprouting of blood vessels that's necessary for metastases. 
And there have been a number of studies carried out in isolated cell uh, culture systems or experimental animals showing a suppression by uh, THC of a number of variety of different cancers, brain cancer, uh, lung cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, et cetera. So it may be that because of the antitumoral properties of THC, that marijuana smokers are protected against the development of tobacco-related cancers. Well, this uh, this is uh, definitely uh, very fascinating. Uh, I guess as marijuana, which is moving toward change in legal status throughout uh, the United States, as this occurs, I, I think we'll be dealing with this much more, and uh, much more information will be available. And you know what what you've told me is kind of. Uh, counterintuitive, but very useful information in advising patients about the risk of uh, marijuana use. So uh, once again, I want to thank Dr. Tashkin for a great discussion. Uh, I certainly learned a lot, and uh, this is Dr. Alan Fine, the podcast editor of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society, wishing you all a great day of learning and fun.